there's no ceiling mm. on spirituality. I think it's continuous exploration, a realization it's infinitely ever expanding. When you think it can't get any better, it has to. Mm. And I've experienced that. Like I'm done, I'm finished, I'm enlightened, I'm this, I'm that, I'm satisfied. I can just rest now. And then I get curious and all of a sudden it occurs to me, I barely scratched the surface of what there is. So I would tell someone, never lose hope. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And don't be satisfied until you find your own happiness. Don't settle for survival and all of that. And that's what I would recommend. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet earth so buckle up kids this is gonna be fun hey everybody john here welcome to all the best i'm just so pumped right now because i got to spend an hour meeting and talking with one of my heroes Steve Chandler. When I was feeling lost and at a really low point in my life a few years ago, I discovered Steve's books like Shift Your Mind, Shift the World, Crazy Good, Creator, Reinventing Yourself, Right Now, Mastering the Beauty of the Present Moment, and dozens more. And you know what Steve offers in all of his books, coaching, and mentoring of others is a mind shift from unnecessary pessimism to reconnect with the natural source of wisdom and enthusiasm in all of us for life. Just like me, his audiences all over the world are inspired by how openly Steve shares his own low points. It gives us the hope that if he can transform his life, so can we. Well, Steve is the author of over 30 books that have been translated into over 25 languages, and his coaching and speaking businesses have been used by CEOs, top professionals, major universities, and over 30 Fortune 500 companies. Steve is a coach's coach and founder of the Coaching Prosperity School that trains those of us in the coaching profession. Steve and I talked about developing an interfaith perspective so that we can grow and learn from all faith traditions. We talked about the chatterbox left brain and how contemplative prayer and meditation can quiet it down, the role of worship, and we touched on our own enlightenment stories and, of course, the power of coaching. The key takeaway in this interview is a clearer vision for how God created your mind to work for you and not against you. And that's what all of Steve's work is about, finding all the best in life by making a powerful mind shift to reach your goals and have a deep, meaningful life. Like I said, Steve is a real hero of mine. His books and audiobooks have had a real and lasting impact on me, and he's one of the reasons you're here to enjoy this show. So I invite you to sit back, go get your favorite beverage, and enjoy a fun and insightful conversation with me and prolific author, coach, mentor, and my new best friend, Steve Chandler. Steve Chandler, welcome to All the Best, man. Thank you, John. I appreciate what you do and the message you put out to the world. We need it these days don't we though man yeah. we need something <laughs> yeah yeah well i've just got to start this interview off by saying i'm a cake person well enjoy your cake don't be ashamed of it 
That is one of the funniest stories that I've quoted from your book so many times. And my wife and I joke, especially when we're eating cake, that yeah, we yeah. we are our cake people. So yeah. So it dude, what is going on? What what does it feel like to be you today? Well, I'm grateful to be me. I used to believe when I used to try to keep a gratitude journal that I should be only grateful for certain acquisitions, accomplishments, things in the outer world. And that got turned around a number of years ago, and I'm literally just grateful to be alive. What, what, um, do, you mean, what do you mean that got turned around? How did... Well, I had what I have had over time, what some people refer to as a spiritual awakening or a reversal of the lens so that I see the world from the inside out versus seeing everything from the outside in, like mm. I'm a victim, I'm challenged, I'm up against it. And that got reversed through a number of wonderful coaches and mentors I had over time and books I read. And that just got turned around for me. And I call it spiritual, but it could also be described in the language of neuroscience for people who get nervous when they hear spirituality or religion. Mm -hmm. But that's, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for life itself. Wow. Well, you just opened up a huge topic for me. And one of the reasons that I started this podcast, because I've spent about 42, three, four years in the evangelical world wow. uh, as a songwriter and worship leader and Bible teacher. And I've worked in a number of churches, traveled the world, leading worship, teaching worship. And with my other company, Nashville Christian Songwriters, I'm coaching Christian songwriters, you know, all over the world now, and just trying to pass on the things that I've learned in my career as a songwriter. And I know we share that in common, you know, that, that you spent a lot of time, what was it? Five years writing songs. Yeah. And then you wound up writing the, all these amazing books, but I, my world has expanded. I would con still consider myself a Christian, but my whole exploration the last seven years uh, has been really into neuroscience, some quantum. I Gosh, I would be overstating it to say that I can talk too intelligently about quantum theory, but everything you just mentioned, I, I think I'm there, dude. It's like when you begin to turn the lens around, it, it's, it's quite the experience. I, I'm not going to call myself enlightened. I think I've been enlightened in different seasons, but do you want to talk a little more about that and what that has been for you? Well, <clears throat> I think everyone is born enlightened. Everyone is born with the gift of spirituality. And then over time in our culture and society, we, we veil it, we distort it. We put different colored lenses in front of it with worries and fears and negative beliefs. And then we start, like you talked about Nashville. I went to Nashville a number of times and I love Christian songwriters and Noel Paul Stuckey is one of them. I don't know oh, if you yeah. know him. Of but he course. Was, don't know him, but I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He was with Peter, Paul and Mary and then went into the Christian songwriting field. And yeah, it's, it's a form of enlightenment. In other words, you, everyone has brief moments of it and, and they, they don't know quite what it is and they don't know it's truly their essence that they're seeing. They think it's something out there. And so they go seeking and chasing as I did. Uh, all kinds of things, Christianityism, Buddhism, anything I could find that would make sense of the world and get back the feeling of joy I had when I was a small child. Mm. So yeah, I'm with you with that. And music, uh, gives people that opening the ego goes, dissolves into music. That's, mm -hmm. that's why the great churches, as you know, 
from experience, they lift the spirits with song. Mm-hmm. And, and then when the spirits are lifted, the ego is gone and you can receive the message mm-hmm. of life is love, life is wonderful at the core. It doesn't mean every person is wonderful or all situations are wonderful. That's a confusion of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the evangelical world, it's all about salvation trusting Jesus as your personal savior. And, you know, and I get that language and I lived in that, you know, for all of my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a church going home, had a, an enlightenment conversion experience when I just found out that God loved me, you know, that was like amazing. And that was my first enlightenment, I guess. And, you know, these days, all these years later, Steve, I feel that I have a much more generous orthodoxy, as Brian McLaren put it. And I love interacting with people who really could care less about Jesus, but you know, they're they're not grinding that axe. They're they're just open to what spirit means. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I I would consider myself just much more open these days and welcoming and loving and you know what I mean? It's like, why wouldn't we be that no matter what we call ourselves? Yeah. And I, I love the fact that I love that you said found out because for most people, it's trying to believe, hmm. trying so hard to believe. Hmm. And it doesn't, it, it's a discovery. It's not a belief. You find out Phil Kage is one of my favorite songwriters and performers. Yeah, he's uh, a friend. Yeah. I know Phil. He's amazing, amazing guitar yeah. player. And he had a song called Love Broke Through. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. And and that's the he's that's the experience. Something breaks through with enough seeking, searching, meditating, contemplative prayer, however you join the path, uh, something breaks through. And it's not anything my ego did. Yeah. My ego had to drop away for it to break through, but yeah, I'm being open, being more open doesn't mean you have to dismiss out of hand Christianity or any of the other forms of anything. You don't, you can welcome the whole, everybody is looking for the same inner peace. I've really come to that. And Over the last seven or eight years, having gone through kind of a real low period in my life that I'm talking more more openly about in these podcasts and my new resources that I'm developing here, you know, I I really got deconstructed down to the point of was I just a professional Christian because I had a platform and influence and I wrote all these songs and made these records and led worship all over the world. And when that went away. I honestly, Steve, didn't know who I was for a while. And your book, Reinventing Yourself, was a real pivotal work for me. And I think that was the first of many, many books of yours that have really influenced me. But I had to come to the point of deciding, am I a Christian believer? What am I? Am I agnostic? Am I, I never thought atheistic, but atheistically, but you know, it's like God is a great big mystery and I've kind of reduced him to my little Jesus in a jar thing. And I think it's really been a gift. It's been hard. And there were times that I was at really low apathetic points, but I'm really grateful now because I'm meeting so many more people that I love and, you know, whether I, I, totally embrace their theologies or not isn't even the point or whether they embrace mine. It's we're having a human experience together. And I, I just love that. I love that place of, of just being open. And like I said, your book, Reinventing Yourself, I know that's an older book for you and you spent a lot of time on the road teaching it. The, the one I've enjoyed so many times, and I'm not exaggerating or kissing up, I think I've listened to it about 17 times um, and, uh, and because it's been hard for me in a lot of ways to reinvent myself because I felt so stuck in who I was and what I believed and 
the dogmatism and and those things and and even forgetting the spiritual theological side even just in personality yeah. which that book is about you know but it's 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 an older book for you now but you know it it seems like it's had an impact probably on millions of people and do you find yourself talking about that still in a lot of interviews yes i do a lot of people refer back to that book and the funny thing about that book is I didn't think anyone was going to read it. I had a previous book that surprisingly sold well. And so my publisher said, okay, let's go with the next one. Here's your advance. And I, I, I just thought, well, I don't, you know, that I don't know what to write about. But at the time I was being coached by a powerful coach and I was reinventing myself. And so I thought, well, I'll just write down what's happening to me. And I'll write down the courses courses I'm teaching about what's happening to me about. And it was mainly, as you know, on the premise that our personalities are created by us to begin with. Now, the soul, the spirit, who we really are was not created by the ego, by our little self, but our personalities were. So if they were created to begin with, usually in junior high school and high school, or they were finished off, they can be recreated in the direction I want. Who do I want to be? And my coach would always tell me, it's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're being. Mm. So if you're not selling to that person and, and you're in sales, which I was, who are you being when you're with the customer? Are, are you being compassionate? Are you being of service? Is what you're selling destined to be of service to them? Or are you just trying to get money? Are you just a salesman trying to get money? Who do you want to be? And if you change that, the doing will flow naturally from that. So that was the first time I ever heard of, you can make a change at the level of being mm. as far as your personality and how you operate out in the world go. But I just wrote that book and I gave it to my publisher and it had a lot of different titles before reinventing yourself was arrived at. Yeah, I think the one I started to say a while ago, the one I've been listening to is the 20th anniversary edition. So it's, oh. it's an older book, man. You've been out this a minute and 30, is it 30 plus books? And you have started the first coaching school on the planet and coaching thousands of people and traveling and speaking. And well, of course, so many books, so many accomplishments, but as you look back on all that, what season, and maybe it's right now, you know, has brought you the most joy or what, what is it that you've done that you look back on, or you feel that healthy pride and joy and in, in having done? Well, as far as books go, the one that gave me the most joy was a book about creativity. I love that book. Yeah. yeah it's called creator. Mm -hmm. The message is everyone has divine creativity creativity in them. And you can see that in children. Children never hesitate to draw or paint or sing or come up to the piano and try to play it. They, they, there's no hesitation. Their creativity is ongoing. They have, they have absolute access to that. Mm. And over time, we start comparing ourselves to others. So I write poetry and then I say, well, I'm not Dylan, Robert Frost. I'm not Dylan Thomas. I'm not Billy Collins. And then we write songs. I'm not Bob Dylan. I'm not right. Leonard Cohen. So therefore I'm not a good songwriter. Mm. And, and the create our creativity keeps narrowing down and down and down. And, and then we say some certain people are creative, but I'm not. And that's a big mistake for people. And so I wanted to try to write a book that would wake people up to the divine creativity that is always there. And that is our birthright mm. It's not saved for a chosen few like Picasso or people like that. 
they they just found a way of expressing it continuously that they became wonderful at. But they are no more creative at at core than any of us. And, and creativity requires a lot of effort, doesn't it? It can, yeah, to actually create something, a song, a painting. But there are smaller things we create throughout the day that we don't even know we're creating. I can create a more orderly office, for example, rearranging items in my office so it's a little more orderly. That's an act of creation. And But to do a major work of art or a song or a, a painting or some, or architecture designing a house that takes a great deal of time and attention mm -hmm. and focus and direction and just kind of knowing what you want and what you want to create and getting in that creative space i deal with a lot of creative people the songwriters that i've mentioned in our coaching programs and that can be kind of a difficult sell in sometimes people want to write songs for instance or maybe want to write books a lot of people aspire to that, but convincing them to accept their divine creativity. And the, I don't know that I like the phrase getting out of the box, but we do put ourselves in some kind of little box Yeah, and, and coaxing people to into their own creativity can be really challenging sometimes. It is because people are very superstitious. They believe weird negative things all all day long they and so writers believe in writer's block i'm blocked I, no songs are coming forward and what i had to learn when i was writing songs for a living was you can't afford to do that and you need to just sit down and start writing even if nothing is coming to mind start writing anyway and allow yourself to get into flow write something really bad write the worst song you can think of mm. and that'll get the flow going and that'll stop that part of your brain that is telling you you're not inspired today or you can't think of anything wonderful or unique to write we listening to that voice is something that you can practice you can practice ignoring that voice and what I tell writers that I coach, just show up for work. It's make, make your writing a blue collar exercise, not some divine, wonderful creativity thing. Because, you know, if somebody's a trucker and drives trucks, he doesn't call his boss and say, I have trucker's block today. I'm not feeling driving a truck. It's just I love that. Hard. Yeah. That wouldn't fly. <laughs> with your boss there's no and he would tell you there's no such thing as truckers block you have a job to do <laughs> get in your truck and drive yeah and once i saw writer's block was a made-up superstition and it was a some kind of negative thinking that carries no weight has no truth to it mm. but we we believe it. And once we believe that thought, it's very hard to write. Mm. I think that's a brilliant way to put it, that it's superstitious. I, I think it's a total myth and I've spoken many, many times about, you know, how, just what a joke writer's block is. It, it doesn't mean that we might not be dealing with stress or anxiety or depression or overwork or financial problems that, that kind of shut us down a little bit. Right. But those are very different than this amorphous mythic writer's block superstition. I love, love how you put that. And obviously you've been very prolific over these years. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier, just about us kind of your slow enlightenment through the books and the coaches and the way you you've just kind of risen into your own life's purpose as a mentor and a coach and I know that you came from a very negative place and that's documented in a lot of other places. So I don't really want you to have to recount your life here, but you've shared openly in your books and podcasts and coaching and a lot of places about recovering from alcohol and drug addiction and 
you were on strike against life and caught up in rebellion. And that was really my life too in the 60s and 70s. And it was just kind of the the zeitgeist of our, our time, wasn't it? Just yeah. uh, very turbulent. But you got sober and you discovered that you had choice and you did work through a lot of books and you discovered the power of coaching and mentors who kind of helped you along the way. You've talked a lot about Steve Hardison. I, I, I think he's the one I've heard most mentioned. And well, if you had to pick one thing, if, there, if that's even possible, that he brought to you, what do you think that might be? Well, he brought to me the blank slate that was my future. And he brought to me the realization that I didn't have to fall into the trap that old world psychology teaches us that we were formed, our personality was formed by the time we were seven years old and we're stuck with it and, and our life and we, and we're formed by all these past traumas and past, we didn't have the right kind of parents or psychology would have you do anger work on people who messed your life up. And, and, and he said, we're going to set that aside as insignificant compared to the blank canvas you have before you, which is now. Right now, what do you want to create? Who do you want to be? And you can create that from the divine unknowing. The, and the divine unknowing is, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, make of my life. That's That's a great place to be from there. You can create, you're not being influenced by what you think you should do or what other people think you should do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a lot of clients who became lawyers because their parents wanted them to, or be, went into some field and they were operating from should do, what should I do? And even in sessions, they say, I've got this situation. What should I do? And I would say, what do you want to do? And they would be startled, like, well, that's not the issue. Or I ne- I've never asked myself that question. Who am I? And so, so that's the main turnaround he gave me was absolute freedom of creativity. Mm. That's so powerful. He, he kind of gave you the present moment. Yes. Return me because prior to that, all my thinking time was either spent in my negative imaginary future or spent in the past that I resented or regretted. Mm. So here I am either fearful or resentful Mm. going from fearful to resentful throughout the day. And from that place in your head and in your heart, you can't create much. It's just a, then it becomes a game of evil. Mm. We could, we could talk for hours just about that one thing, because I, I know that I've experienced that. I think I'm better than I used to be, but I think it is just so ingrained in us to regret the past or resent the past. Like you said, the old world psychology, blaming the parents, blaming whoever, you know, for all of our problems and then fearing the, this future, you know, the world's going to fall apart in about 10 minutes. And part of my own enlightenment, I think over these last seven years has been just to come into right now. Yes. And, 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 you know, and I, 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 that brings me to, to one of your other books that called mastering the beauty. Let me pull it up. I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up, but I've got it right here. Is it called right now? Mastering yes. the, yeah. Yeah. Right now, mastering the beauty of the present moment. That, that's such a beautiful book. And to think that Steve Hardison helped bring you into the power of the moment. Of course, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, very transformative book for me as well. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you believe about God and theology and you know Christianity. 
you know, Islam, Jewish, it doesn't matter what you are theologically, you know, God has given us, the universe has given us this live astounding moment and right. to, to be so divided into the past and the, the future, it's hell. That's real hell. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I love that he gave you that gift and, and gave you that, the power of the moment, the power of choosing. And doesn't it kind of come down to that in a way, the, just the shift into the power of your choice, would you say? Yeah. Yes, it does. That operationally, how I interact with the society and the world comes down to what I'm choosing to do. And you're right. That's it. And then right now, this is the moment. What do I want to create? And whenever I told him in a session I had, here's something I would like to do someday. He said, well, why someday? Why not now? And I would get scared. Like, oh, I'm not prepared. I'm not good enough. I, and he said, well, it's all you got is now. So let's get it started. And I would get it started and it would go well. And he taught me that. And then prior to him, the first real opening for me was like you mentioned in recovery from alcohol and addiction, there was a spiritual recovery program and it was, it was like Phil Kagi's great song, love broke through. The first line is like waking up from the longest dream. Mm, I remember and it, that. Yeah. It isn't attempting to believe something. It's, it's waking up from the dream of separation from the world. I'm lost and afraid in a world I never made. And that was a dream state in effect. I was hypnotizing myself with cultural superstitions that I was, and as a negative thought would arise, I would Velcro to that thought. I wouldn't see it as an optional thought. I don't have to believe every thought that shows up in my mind. I didn't know that. I didn't even know really they were thoughts. I thought it was the truth, the sad, frightening truth about life. And Condemned philosophers, existential nihilists, pessimists, they were the intellectual rage in universities. Most universities were, were teaching life is difficult and then you die. Right. And that was their bitter fatalistic philosophy. And we were studying it and learning it and saluting the intellect of those people. But they had an intellect, but it was in the name of a, an, a philosophy that was not really accurate about how the real world is. Mm. So I can look at my TV screen and, and because their whole mission is to put the most alarming, terrifying news they can find right. that, to tell it to you, because that's when the ratings go up, I can look at that or I can look out my window. And if I look out my window, I see birds. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in a Louis Armstrong song, you know, <laughs> I see children. I think to myself, what a wonderful <laughs> world. But I look at my TV screen. What do I want to spend my time looking at? The world, the real world or my TV screen? Because the TV screen will give you an exaggerated, compressed view of everything yeah. wrong in the world. And if, the, if I'm thinking that's ongoing pervasive reality, then I'm not taking a walk in my neighborhood. I'm not watching someone help someone else across the street or watching two neighbors work on somebody's car, get it running again. All the things, the brotherly, sisterly love that is going on in the real world, I'm not even noticing it. The way that you have, have preached for all these years in your books and everything that you do by really shifting our mind, taking yes. our mindset to a new place. I actually have a signed copy of Shift Your Mind, Shift the World. This is such a great book, but it's anyway, it's 
that that really becomes the I think the the key to making any contribution in the world is to have to seek whatever enlightenment you can and shift your mindset so that you can make a difference. I'll tell you a quick story. It was about eight years ago and I had actually left a situation that I loved and it was very difficult time for me. And it was really when my, my whole, I felt that my whole life and ministry and everything I'd been for 40 years just fell apart, Steve, and lots of backstory that I'm not gonna get into, but it was really caused a lot by my ego and by, yeah. And by, and, and when I say ego, I don't really mean like pride, like puffed up ego, although that was probably part of it, but it was really that part of ego that protects me and makes me think that people are out to get me or that, you know, I have to protect my interest or, you know, everything's going to go to hell and things really did go to hell. <laughs> and I was kind of reduced to starting over at 58 years old. And it, it was a very difficult, very difficult time, a very dark time. And I became apathetic. I was just lost. And, uh, you know, yeah, middle-aged guy, if I live to be 120, right? I mean, at 58 and I'm, I have this long career in music and church ministry and then recording and publishing and writing and all that, but it all just seemed to grind to a halt. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what to do, didn't know who I was. And I, because of, I, I was actually meeting with a coach, the first real coach that I ever met with a business coach here in Nashville. We'd moved back to Nashville from another state and he was graciously meeting with me. I didn't have any money and he was meeting with me every week and he would hold my hand and I'd cry like, what am I going to do? And he's like, well, you got to do something. and one day he just, he just blessed me out. He said, you are blah, 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 stupid for not using your publishing, you know, knowledge to help people. And I was so inwardly focused and so fearful that I didn't, I just couldn't even see my way out of that, that giant hole in the ground. So I went home that day and started thinking about it. And I wound up finding a URL for NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com and started that company. But I, I started, it, it didn't take off very much at first. And I was afraid again. And I was, I, I was just kind of blowing through some investment money I raised. I'm getting to a point here. I was sitting on the couch July 4th of 2016. And this ad for coaching came up. And I got on the call with the people the next day and they started challenging my mindset. And I didn't know that I was mired in negativity, that I was mired in the regrets of the past, the resentments and the fear. I didn't know that. I'd never been, I, I'd never sought that or I'm going to blame somebody that's nobody's responsibility to teach me that. But I was just sitting there in ignorance and unenlightened, I guess. And it was the first time I heard anybody, A, talk about shifting a mindset and B, really getting empowered, becoming empowered by coaching, right? And so that's why this stuff is so important to me because here I am seven and a half years later and I have a very successful company coaching people all over the world, launching this new brand. And that's why you've been so important in my life because you've helped me see I can reinvent myself. There are 17 lies that I'm believing, you know, and just so, so that I can live in this present moment and, and reinvent myself and motivate myself. And so thank you for passing that along in, in the ways that, that you have. So just a couple of things you've said that I've pulled from different places after my little, little diatribe there. You've said that the mind is designed to get you what you want. What do you mean by that? Can you just do a little impromptu? Yeah. Hang uh, on that. It's, you'll notice with small children, the mind is a creative device. For example, if I want a glass of orange juice, my mind knows how to 
take my body into the kitchen and find the orange juice, pour it and bring it back to where I'm sitting. That that's the ultimate use of the egoic left brain dominant problem solving mind, that mind, not, not the, the big mind, not universal mind, not the inspired higher self we all have, but the, the, what most people think is all they are is this problem solving mind. So they're seeing nothing but problems all day. In the mind, that mind, the problem-solving mind is designed to seek problems um, and either get scared and think, I can't solve that one, I can't solve climate change or whatever I think I can't solve, but, and then it gets scared. But what people don't know until they allow a spiritual or an awakening to happen, and it can be gradual, it doesn't have to be one of those blinding light things. Yeah. What they don't know is they don't have to live in that mind. That's a very small part of their overall intelligence, their intuition, their inner wisdom, the divine guidance they get when they're in a true crisis, uh, how that mind is only good for certain things. And once you get a proper relationship with thinking in that mind, you can dwell in a higher place and shift out of that. You shift your mind, you shift the world looks beautiful mm -hmm. and it is beautiful. And if there's a problem to be solved, well, someone's breaking into my home and I have martial arts experience, I, I will just jump in, I'll automatically jump into solving that problem or I have to find my way out. I've lost my GPS. I'll figure out where's North and the mind is good for so that mind is good for so many things, but where it turns on you is when you live there all the time. And that, now you have insomnia because you lie down and you're ruminating all your worries and fears mm -hmm. and regrets mm -hmm. and resentments and worries and fears. And you're there all the time. And that's why people are drawn to things like mindfulness, meditation, contemplative prayer, reading the Christian mystics, mm -hmm. the really inspiring listening to Christian music can give you, or listening to any uplifting Bach or Beethoven, mm -hmm. whatever lifts you up. And that takes you out of, and people are longing to get out of that mind. That's why they binge watch Netflix because now they're drawn into exactly some mysterious story and they're out of that mind for a while and it, it feels mm -hmm. great. You bring up a great point and that is the endless chatter of the left brain Yeah, and the ego that is there in the left brain, that thing that we think is our self yes. is parked in the left brain and that drives us that endless chatter that goes off. I mean, it, not, it never goes off. It's just constantly on. And the thing about meditation or contemp contemplative prayer, worship music or classical music is whatever it is for you that can become a mantra that finally quiets that left brain so that you can actually just be and yes. experience the divine in a way. And I, I, I've, I've led worship for seems like 187 years. And I see the same thing happening as we adore Christ, as you worship and sing the songs, you know, and kind of get you zone out from that chatter brain exactly. to, to who you are, you know, and I see that theme in Sufism, Buddhism, Zen, you know, and in all of it, and even things that have no acclaimed or, or, you know, spirituality to them cl claiming that at all, but it's really kind of the same thing. We're trying to get out of our minds. We're trying to get away from the demon of that left brain chatter. Yes. Yeah. It Religion, spirituality is a tried and true path. It has the wisdom traditions have held up and, but there are other 
Pence, there is a field now called positive psychology, mm -hmm. which is wonderful that opens the mind up beyond the pessimistic viewpoint that is simply a habit of thought. And there are other things, spiritual psychology taught by the University of Santa Monica, which I spent a lot of time with them. This is contemporary psychology with a spiritual component and have had wonderful success. So there are many fields that are also available to people to get on the path out of the ego and into a more expanded sense of being into more of a connection with the whole universe. And you know, cause you work with songwriters, you've written songs. There is so much evidence for a higher mind or conscious contact with your higher power. Like we called it in recovery. Songwriters say that song seemed to come through me. Right. I got a role and, and next thing I knew I had three verses. I don't know where that came from. Right. Uh, it came through me. I didn't craft it one word at a time. And usually those songs are the ones that connect with people and become hits Yeah, and become popular. When I listened to Paul McCartney be interviewed in certain, like certain huge songs like let it be he had a dream about his mother his name was mary and in in his dream his mother came to him and said paul just let it be mm. and he woke up the next morning and wrote the whole song because it came through him when he wasn't even conscious mm. and so you hear so that tells you there is a higher self that you've shut yourself off from and the trick is to let it pervade your everyday life, not just wait until you dream or wait until you meditate or wait until you get to church and you're singing a hymn and you feel uplifted. Then you go yeah. back to your dreary, horrible life. Right. Make sure you allow it to pervade your whole life. That's mm. step two after learning that there is a higher self. And I would imagine in your own creative process and in all of the hundreds of thousands and millions of words that you've written in all these years, you've probably had some pretty amazing experiences where you were in that flow peak performance. It wasn't really driven by the left brain so much as, as just pouring through you. Yeah, that's true. There is the. Uh... A short story in reinventing yourself that my, where my daughter went to a talent show and sang a song and I was sitting there at the keyboard thinking, I need a couple more chapters for this book. I have no idea what to write. And I remember Robert Frost saying, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Mm. And I thought, well, okay, when's the last time I, I cried? And I thought, well, it was a month ago at that junior high school talent show. And I, then I said, okay, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write what that story was. And, and it just flowed. It came from nowhere. And all the other carefully crafted chapters in that book, they've never been talked back to me, but that one story, everybody says, oh, that story about your daughter, man, that really hit me. And uh, that was the one I spent the least time in my left brain, trying to, trying to make happen. <laughs> was that the one when she sang hero and you'd show yeah. her the Janis Joplin yeah. Monterey jazz? I, I had that in my notes to bring up today, if we had time, because it it's a very moving story. And of course, you know, that was the day Janis Joplin got signed by Clive Davis and yeah. one of my childhood heroes. I, I wept when she died for crying out loud, but, yeah. but to know that Stephanie was so inspired by you showing her you know, Janice getting out of her self and catching on fire. I, I love that. So I love that phrase. You said no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. So to find something that resonates like that 
came out of a flow for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. So, man, we could touch on so many different topics, but it feels like you have all these years been just sharing your own enlightenment journey with us and the constant up-leveling, if you will, as you continue to be brave and move through that. So where, what's cranking you up now? And if you had to share one thing with someone who might feel like their life is worthless or a mess, or maybe they're in that place of regretting the past, fearing the future, you know, that was kind of a convoluted question. Sorry for yeah. that. But what's, let's start with what's cranking you up now after these years of pouring it out for us, man, what's, what's getting you up in the morning now? Well, I think it's continuous exploration, a realization that there's no ceiling mm. on spirituality. It, it's infinitely ever expanding. One thing Byron Katie, who's one of my favorite teachers says, just when you think it can't get any better, it has to. Mm. And and I've experienced that. Like I'm done, I'm finished, I'm enlightened, I'm this, I'm that, I'm satisfied, I can just rest now. And then I get curious, wait a minute, this is a, a new songwriter I love, or this is new music, or this is a new actual writer I'm really enjoying. And all of a sudden, it occurs to me, I barely scratched the surface of, of what there is. So I would tell someone, never lose hope, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be satisfied until you find your own happiness. Don't settle for survival and all of that. Mm. And that's what I would recommend. Mm. Steve, man, this has been so rich. I knew that it would be, and I hope that you'll come back on the show with me again sometime. Be glad to. Thank you, John. Thanks for for creating this show for people. I yeah. Oh man. Well, just want to acknowledge your tremendous contribution to my life personally and the people I touch. So you guys, if you're listening out there, run, do not walk to Amazon and order everything Steve's written and start with reinventing yourself or just there's, there's no bad place to start, but Steve, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All The Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchism.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchism.com and I'll see you next time.